Well, welcome once again to Voice of Reason Radio. Chris Honholtz and Richard Story joining you on this Monday, April 12th. April 12th. We are in April, aren't we now, Rich? Oh, my goodness. It is <laughs> April 12th, 2021. I can't believe we're four month, four and a half months into this, uh, well, three and a half technically because it's the fourth month, but you know, however you want to say it. Uh, we're halfway through April. We've gotten through the first quarter of the year. Um and it just keeps getting weirder, though. Though it has, though this doesn't feel like it's lasted as long as 2020 has. It's it's moving at a better pace. It's still absolute insanity as we continue to to, to ride this train to the end of the rails. I have no idea what's going to coming for us. So, how are you doing this week, Rich? <laughs> oh, brother, better than I deserve. Which, um, you know, hopefully everyone feels that way and sees that in their own lives amen amen well folks i want to remind you we are part of the christian podcast community uh we've always encouraged you to go check out the christian podcast community you will always find wonderful programs on there to add to your listening library so you'll always check that please feel free to check that out please also remember we do have a website slave to the king.com i just dropped an article uh this last week on there talking about uh, the issue of critical race theory being what we would refer to as a in, in Scripture as pl- uh, plausible arguments that are full of empty deceit. You know, uh, go check out the book of Colossians and Paul's uh, admonition to not be taken captive by plausible arguments and uh, you know, uh, arguments which are basically empty deceit and f- n- unable to... Uh, prevent the indulgence of the flesh these are this is a what we're watching with the social justice movement being brought into the church is a perfectly good example of that so we'll throw the the link to that article in the show notes but i encourage you to go check it out um look i had a lot of people read it before i posted it okay i wanted to make sure that i was making a good argument and i think it's a sound one and i think you'll see what i'm talking about it is a little bit of a lengthier read um I, I got to work on tightening up. <laughs> it's hard. There's <laughs> always so much information I want to share. I get wordy. But uh, I encourage you to go check that out as well. But uh, we, we're grateful for you being with us this week. We apologize for being a couple late, days late on this. Uh, first, you were attacked by the avocado-shaped storms. Now it was goldfish-shaped sh- storms with ha- uh, hail the size of softballs. So we're just even well, glad you're here. <laughs> well, actually, my... Where my home is located, we didn't have hail that large, but in the general area, there were reports and photos, and I shared a few of those, of hail the size of baseballs, tennis balls, and over in Alabama on the Gulf, on the coast, um, in Orange County, they had record-breaking hail. Um, it's rare for it to hail on the coast, wow. but um, they had actually had record-breaking hail. Um, some of it would, was measured over four inches in diameter, which is a little bit bigger or about the same size as a softball. So uh, I, I'm thinking if you got hit with one of those, that would leave a mark. You get hit with one of those, you might just be walking into eternity. Uh, those things were huge. Uh, it was amazing, some of the pictures that you posted, brother. I just couldn't believe it. Uh, so, yeah, when when Rich, see, Rich uh, told me that there in Mississippi, some of the uh, the meteorology school, the stuff over there, you get some of the best meteorologists out of there. And the reason for that is you get all 
seasons of weather at one time. So they can study it in a very short period of time. <laughs> and so they get real good at, at doing meteorology. <laughs> The, the rest of the country doesn't get it, so that's probably why when they show up and they're guessing at your weather, they're still trying to figure out how do I apply Mississippi weather to the rest of the world. <laughs> well, I, I know um, I've lived in this area now, I think somewhere around 18 or 20 years, and our chief meteorologist is the same one, but when it comes to the other weather personalities on our local television station that it's just they continually roll them through because i think they take the top graduates from mississippi state's meteorological school mm -hmm. and they're basically interned and taught and that's their starting point and from there they'll move on to like larger markets and everything but um i, I know of at least i could think right off the top of my head at least a half a dozen different meteorologists that started out at our local television station that have made it pretty big even a couple of them went on to like the weather channel and, and some of these other you know large platforms and larger markets but you're other than earthquakes living in the southeast you pretty much right you're gonna we're, we're exposed to about anything you can think of <laughs> and you know we, we have tornado season in the spring hurricane season in the summer we have you know snow ice sleet in the winter which is you know kind of hit and miss and, but what i've noticed it seems like when we have snow and ice in the winter our tornado season is kind of ramped up and that seems to be on track again this year because if everyone remembers back in february we had an ice storm yeah. and <laughs> now we had three weeks in a row of tornado warning somewhere in the general area of where i live um, thankfully, the Lord's blessed the area, and, and you know it's it's not been nearly as bad as what it could have been. Other than one thing that was very interesting, um, Friday night when that storm came through with all the hail, I'm, I haven't heard any reports, but one of the center targets was actually a Toyota plant that's in our state. And from what I understand, I think it got nailed pretty good. I don't know how many millions of dollars worth of damage occurred to automobiles but um if, if if you are in the insurance business this would be a really great area <laughs> to move and open an office because um that and roofers if, if you're or if you're in a roofing business and you're licensed and bonded and you're having problems getting work where you're at come to mississippi because at the moment to get a roofer it's about a six-month waiting list Goodness, golly. And I'm I'm not exaggerating. A good friend of ours needs some roof repairs <coughs> done on their home, and literally, it's they they're they're on like a six month waiting list. So, um, yeah, if if you're in the construction business, especially <laughs> if you're a roofer and and you're needing work, just come to Mississippi. I guarantee you, you'll probably get more than you ever wanted. <laughs> May not be the ideal place for a, a vacation home, but if you're in construction, good place to move to. So <laughs> go check out Mississippi. Just take a steel umbrella. Um, so, all right. Now, for clarity, that is the hail is extremely rare. <laughs> as long as I've lived here, I can only think of two, maybe three times we actually had hail, but never have we ever had it that large. And thankfully, the, the one 
SWAT that came through my little area missed my home by about a mile. So, oh I mean, it was really, it that's was kinda rather <laughs> erratic. So, yeah, that's, that's a little bit crazy. <laughs> All right. So just want to, uh, you know, thank you guys once again for joining us and always you know, being patient with us when these issue, you know, these times and uh, issues come up and, and, and we have a little bit of delays in recording. So thank you for, for get, being patient with us. But uh, tonight we wanted to, it's almost kind of a carryover from a show we did, you know, a couple weeks ago where we talked about why the church biblically must gather. Uh, and it was all uh, kind of stemmed around the issues with what's going on uh, up in Canada with Pastor James Coates and Grace Life Church. Well, there's been more developments, and unless you've been under a rock, you know exactly what we're talking about. While he has been released since that the time we posted that that video, or excuse me, that video, but that podcast, um, they released him. He spent 35 days in jail. They released him, basically dismissed all the charges but one, gave him a slap on the wrist and sent him on his way. Well, now we know why. What has happened since then? Grace Life Church has been taken over by the, the Alberta government. They've come onto the church property. They padlocked the doors, and they put not one, not two, but three layers of fencing to keep people out. That's how dangerous Grace Life Church is. They have basically cordoned it off like Fort Knox. All you need is Constantina wire and some snipers up in a tower, and you've turned it into Fort Knox. This is well, insanity. Thought, <laughs> Go ahead. I thought it was. I thought it was interesting to the pastor gets released from jail. So then they turn around and put the church in jail because that's basically what they've done. They've got the church in solitary confinement yeah, and not letting or, or allowing anyone to come in or out. Yeah. And, and that, that really, when this first happened, I, I, I believe what you're watching is Alberta government is going out of their way to make an example of Grace Life Church. They tried to do it with Pastor Coates. They really did. They, they, they threatened him. They put him in jail. They called him a danger to the community. They said, stop preaching and we'll let you out. And he said, no. And they basically locked him away and denied him, in my opinion, you know, his right to due process. They just kept continuing this stuff out with really no case, no case to speak of. And that's why so much of it was dismissed. This was a bully tactic. They were purposely trying to bully him so they could prevent him from becoming an example for other churches. And so that failed, utterly failed. In fact, it actually caused an outcry around the world as to what was going on. People, Real quick, brother. Go ahead. And, and I know we haven't discussed this, but um, by chance, do you happen to know why he was singled out and they chose Pastor Coates to be the example they wanted to use and target when it came to all of this? I, I Have you heard I, or read anything? I haven't seen anything that's specifically why, other than Pastor Coates simply was not going to allow his church to be dictated by the government to a 15% capacity. 15%. That, that's, that's almost nothing as far as allowing people in. And, um, and, and go ahead. for full dis full disclosure, that's not a very large church to begin with. Their no. membership's what two or three hundred, something like that. So let's say you have a let's say two hundred. Well, fifteen percent of a hundred, there's fifteen people. So you're talking thirty people out of two hundred can show up in your building. 
that's ridiculous. Especially when you can walk into a Walmart or a Costco or whatever they have up in Canada. I'm sorry, I don't know all the stores you guys have um, for our Canadian listeners. But you you know as well as I do, there's a lot more people going into the grocery stores, a lot more than 30 people being allowed in the grocery stores. There A lot more businesses are allowed a lot more latitude because they're deemed essential. And uh, I'll talk about that in a second. But I believe what was happening here is that you had them attempting to bully him and it backfired in the worst possible way. He got massive support from internationally and, and support with, from, from when, if, within Canada. I mean, you had people who didn't even go to church showing up at this church to protest what was going on. It's still going on. That failed utterly. And so they took it another step. So now what they've done is, how, da- you know, how dare you defy Caesar? We are taking control of your property. The church property has now been taken control of. Oh, by the way, all that fencing that they've ordered and placed on there, the church has to pay for it. They're being charged the rental fees, from what I understand. Now, before a lot of people get upset, you know, how dare, how can they be made to do that? Just remember, if you were to break the law and your car were towed and impounded, you would have to pay the fee for the, the, the towing. If this were legal, and I honestly don't believe it is, I, I think they're way outside their lane here. If this was a legal seizure where they could shut down a building, they could conceivably charge someone the, the cost of securing the building. That is allowable. The problem is this is absolutely outrageous in terms of why they are doing it. So what they are doing is now turning the church property into an example. Fine, you can't be bullied We'll lock you out. How do you like them apples? Well, that tends to be backfiring too a little bit. <laughs> um, this last week, and there, uh, we'll share the article uh, in our uh, show links from dailywire.com. John MacArthur read a letter from Pastor Coates and basically encouraged the, the congregation at Grace Community Church to, I kid you not, pray for the underground church in Canada. Rich, did you ever think we would have to utter the words, I mean, underground church in China? Okay, we get that. In Korea? Yeah, totally get that. In the Middle East? Totally understand why there'd be an underground church. In Canada? My word. really just jumps out and sounds like an episode from the Twilight Zone. Even parts of South America, you might would expect to hear of something like that. But, I mean, Canada of all places, I mean, it's... the only thing more surprising, which nowadays nothing should surprise any of us, would be, you know, underground church in England or the underground church in Scotland or, yeah, I think we'll see it down the road, underground church in America. And I, and I agree with you. I think what we're, what we're seeing is just the tip of the iceberg. Um, so just to, to give you an idea, this is what Pastor Coates wrote to Grace Community Church. He says, To Grace Community Church, which is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace in him. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has super abundantly glorified himself through you. What an amazing opening. What an amazing opening. This is a man who was jailed for 35 days. His church has been taken from him. And look what he's writing. Amazing. What a heart for the Lord. For decades you have been strong and a steadfast pillar in support of the truth, so much so the Lord established many other beacons of truth throughout this world as a direct result of your ministry. This is Coates writing to MacArthur and his church. You have exemplified a profound love 
for the brethren, warm service and hospitality, and an undeniable love for God and His Word. In fact, His Word has sounded forth from you with such power and precision that the fruit of your ministry is immeasurable this side of heaven. Pastor John's 52 years of faithful service is as much a testimony to you as it is to him. May God richly reward you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the way you, you have cared for me, my family, and congregation during my imprisonment. Your love and prayerful support were vital to our steadfastness in the face of suffering. Understand that right now, folks. Your prayers, your well wishes, your letters, this is vital. We have to support one another in times like these. This le the letter from the elders was an immense encouragement. The support from Dr. Nathan Busnitz and the Master Seminary was both humbling and strengthening. The pa and the pastoral care provided by Pastor John was incredibly comforting. It was also a rich blessing to receive letters from a number of you while, you while in prison. Those letters provided necessary fuel for my resolve. Pray for these pastors. My wife Erin also sends her greetings and thankfulness. She was and continues to be strengthened greatly by your letters. You poured into her, er, you poured into her early in her spiritual development, and you are pouring into her now as well. You have suffered well for the gospel. It is an indescribable blessing to join you in that suffering. Don't forget, MacArthur, Grace Community Church, the elders, the people there—they're still fighting their battle with LA. Our con congregations have been counted worthy for this purpose. May we rejoice in this, as did the apostles in their suffering. Jesus Christ is the sovereign Lord over all creation and the supreme head of the church. We will bow to him and him alone. Only he is worthy. And now may he continually strengthen you all into all faithfulness, and may he constantly radiate his glory, his honor and glory through you. To him be the glory forever and ever, James Coates. Rich, think about this. Could I don't know that I could write a letter like that. If I had been in prison for 35 days unjustly, if I had watched the gates of my church locked, barred, and three-layer fence deep, I don't know if I could do that. I, I would. I know me. I, I know how <laughs> indignant I can get. You don't want to know the some of the things that could come out of my mouth when I get upset. And I've been God's been worked on that for many many years. <laughs> this is amazing to see the warmth, the comfort the joy, and yet still acknowledging the struggle and the pain. And all of it, recognizing this is for the glory of God. I don't know about you, Rich. I don't know that I would write that. I don't think I could. So I, I have nothing but absolute uh, admiration for Pastor Coates here. Well, I'd like to think that I could, but without actually being in that situation, I can't say for sure, one way or the other, you know, my reaction, but my hope and prayer would be that I would respond as Pastor Coates has. Amen. And I think we all should have that prayer. It's amazing to watch what the Lord does in his children, whom he has equipped to endure persecution and suffering. And I'm sorry, if you're like this so-called Knox United Church, which we'll read to you in mm -hmm. a minute, um, if you're one of those people that say this isn't suffering, how you know these people are getting their just desserts, you don't even have a clue what you're speaking about. You know, go back and listen to the program Rich and I did about why the church must gather. This is not a place where the government has a place to speak. 
Let, let, let's just clear this up right now. You have churches who are being told you can't meet, your doors have to be locked, or in this case, you can only have maybe 30 people show up. You, you have to make everyone stay home and watch via online and violate scripture, which says you are to come together and do just all the things we did in the previous program. You are not allowed to sing. You're not allowed to stay. You're not allowed to, you, you have to be, everybody cannot be within six feet of each other or whatever arbitrary number they've made up this week. You know, in school, apparently you can be within three feet now. Church is not allowed. And yet all the quote unquote essential businesses and places have much broader rules, much broader rules. This is completely imbalanced. And I'll tell you, I, this is why I think, Rich, this is happening. It's that word essential. It is the word the government has decided they are the arbiters of. They get to decide what is essential. They get to decide who gets to be in the club and who doesn't get, get to be. And when well, you... Have, oh, go ahead. Well, finish your thought and I have a question for you. What, it, what I think this boils down to is the church, number one, does not give money into the coffers of the elected officials. So businesses, they got to pay taxes, right? They got to they, they, they gotta make contributions to, to, in order to get the bills passed the way they wanted. So businesses, they have a, they have a buy-in. They have, you know, the, the, the politicians have some ownership there. They get the businesses going their way. The businesses get uh, get more of what they want. The problem is the church doesn't do that. The church, number one, doesn't give money into in the form of taxes. It's a tax-exempt organization. Number two, the church can speak against the government. Why? Because, like with John the Baptist, who called out Herod and said, you cannot be with your brother's wife, that is sinful. Christians and churches can tell government what you're doing is wrong and sinful. And it can tell its people when the government says to do this, and that's a sin, that you get, get to disobey the government. So when the government says homosexual marriage is a, is a right and you must honor it, the church says you do not have to believe that because God has determined what is, what is uh, sin and what is genuine marriage. And homosexual marriage is not a marriage. It's sin. It's it's it is legalized sexual immorality. It, you know, the government could get to say you it's a right to murder your children. The church can say that's murder and you can't do it. And so the okay, churches good. are being singled out because they speak against the government and they don't pay into the coffers against the government. And as a result okay, of that, oh go ahead. One problem with that theory. Hmm. And here's where part of the hypocrisy comes in. We are talking Christian churches. We're mm -hmm. talking those that proclaim to be, you know, of Christ, Bible-believing churches. Um, the ones that I see and have read about that are targeted are solid Bible-believing churches, unlike the one, the letter you're going to read shortly. Yeah. Um, there's some truth to what you said about taxes and those type of things, but... Why are not why aren't the mosques being closed? Why aren't they being made to adhere to all these regulations 
when it comes to social distancing and and not just in Canada, this is the United States as well as we've seen it, you know, roll over over the last year, year and a half. You know, you, you don't hear have you heard one time about a mosque being mm-hmm. investigated or um inspected or shut down or told to close or told that they have to maintain these strict guidelines in order to stay open. You hear nothing mentioned about mosques. And honestly, I think part of it is the government's hatred mm-hmm. for Christianity. Um, and that's being exposed and becoming more evidently clear because, like you said, they put the label essential on anything that's putting money back into the government's pockets because, like, in, if I'm not mistaken, in your state, Las Vegas has pretty much the casinos have opened mm-hmm. up, but they're still wanting churches to adhere to different guidelines. Mm-hmm. And um, the whole thing is very politicized because, especially here in the United States, um, you got blue states and red states, and most of the, the strictest um, restrictions, uh, I'm sorry for that <laughs> double <laughs> phrasing there, but the, the strictest the most strict of those restrictions are coming under blue states. And, uh, you know, I honestly, I'm not familiar with all the intricacies of the laws in Canada. I know that their freedoms are similar to those in the United States, but regardless of which country you're talking about, you know, it seems like, okay, if you're a business and you're paying in taxes and your state is really dependent upon those taxes, we're going to let you open back up. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, these Christians over here, these churches over here, we're, we're going to nail them to the wall. Mm-hmm. But we better not say anything about a mosque because then we're going to be called racist and be, you know, accused of being bigots and, and you know, racial profile and, and this type of thing. So, I mean... If you can't, if you're blind and you cannot see the hypocrisy, I can't, I can sit here and talk for five hours. Yeah. Only the Lord can open your heart and allow you to understand. But the hypocrisy is beyond obvious when a mosque <laughs> can stay open, a Christian church has to close or, or in this case, you know, everything that Grace Life has gone through or even in the United States with Pastor MacArthur's church, you know, the battle they've had. Mm-hmm. I've not heard of any battles with mosques. We've seen synagogues targeted, and we've seen Christian churches targeted. But, I, like I said, I am yet to hear of a mosque. And correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't mosques exempt for, from taxes under the same type of nonprofits as churches? Oh, absolutely. But the, where I see... You know, and you you hit upon it just a second ago. The where I see the the buy in is what you just said. They will be seen as racist. They will be seen as bigoted. There is something that costs the government if they go against a mosque. Now you saw that it was okay in New York, for example, to go against the synagogues. It's risky going against Jewish people, but. It's more than once we've seen people like what happened in New York do it and they might get their hands slapped and you, you, you might get a little bit of bad press, but you can get away with it to some extent 
But with the mosques, with the Muslim religion, you will be excoriated in the worst possible way. So while you may not get, you know, buy-in and turn, you know, ownership of the mosque because of uh, taxes or or they they support your agendas or not whatnot, you need them if you're going to be in politics because if you go against them, you're done. So there's a purchased. There's, there is still some buy-in. There's something purchased in the way of votes. So there's still something there. You know, and the simple fact is the, church, the, the Christian church will not bow its knee. Now, I will say the Christian church, not the professing church, not like this nonsense letter that comes from Knox United Church here. I'll read this in just a second. Uh, James White shared this, made my head spin. Um, but the true church is not going to bow its knee to Caesar. You may have churches that have to make tough decisions about do we follow the you know the health orders, what's best for our congregation, etc. And we can have a long discussion about that and talk about a number of reasons why a church may or may not do these things. But ultimately, a the true church, if the government says you must worship Caesar, the true church is not gonna is not gonna do that. And that's what we're seeing, in my opinion, what's going on up in Alberta, Canada. Alberta believes it is God. Everybody must bow the knee to Caesar. And if you do that, if you get that little pinch of incense like they used to have to do in Rome, under the Roman Empire, that pinch of incense to Caesar, you could, you could go forward. They will not be defied in Alberta. James Coates in the Christian Church says we have a higher authority. We have God and his words. You cannot speak to how the church operates, especially when you are operating with unequal weights and measures. This is not everybody being treated the same. The church is being singled out. And I'm sorry, if somebody doesn't believe that, they're simply not paying attention. They, they've got their, they've got their uh, COVID blinders on. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be rude, but you've got your COVID blinders on. And the only thing you will look at is the numbers of COVID with no context as to actual how every other illness has impacted us. And you, and you hear the, the tragic stories. And again, we said this a couple shows ago. We know someone who's lost someone to COVID. Okay? He's a brother in Christ. And he's going through a really tough time right now. And if you know who I'm talking about, please be, keep continuing to pray for him. So it's tragic when someone is lost to an illness of any kind. But if the only thing you allow to dictate how you view what's going on is COVID is bad, COVID is bad, then you cannot see what's being played out in front of you. And in this case, it is, it is persecution of a church. They are targeting this church. They are making an example of this church. But let's talk about those churches, Rich, that we like this Knox United Church. And, and really, they should take the name down because if Knox could come back today, Knox would have not have his name on there. There would be <laughs> there would be a lot of chaos if he showed up at that church today. So they should be grateful that John Knox is in heaven worshiping Jesus. So this was posted by the Knox United Church from Calgary, Alberta. Uh, I hate to read it this way, but you got this is going to give you insight. This is authored by a Reverend Dr. Greg Glatz, Minister Pastoral Charge Supervisor, Knox United Church, Calvary. I'm not kidding. Pronouns equal he, him, his. 
Yeah, that's what it says. So this is for media release. A church in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, put a public statement out for media release regarding Grace Life Church. This is what it says. Statement regarding closure of Grace Life Church. This morning, AHS, with the assistance of the RCMP, that's the Royal Canadian Mount of Police, shut down Grace Life Church. Buckle up. This is good news. Good news? They shut down a church. The bad news is that it took so long for AHS to act. What? They jailed the man for 35 days. AHS issued an order on December 17th requiring Grace Life Church to comply with restrictions ordered by Dr. Dina Hinshaw, Alberta's Chief Medical Officer of Health. It took nearly four months for AHS to enforce orders that have been flagrantly, arrogantly, and repeatedly ignored by the church. Do you, can you hear? I know I'm saying it, saying it with a condescending voice. I can't help but read it in this way. Can you hear the condescension coming off of this paper? This delay puts hundreds, if not thousands, of lives at risk. I would love to see the data that they actually drew that from, because as far as I know, in anything that I've seen so far, not one report has indicated that COVID has spiked because of this church. Not one report that I've seen so far. The primary cause of this serious health risk is, of course, not AHS, but Grace Life Church itself. Wow. Under the guise of religious freedom, no, actually under the authority of God, through his word, Reverend Doctor, under the guise of religious freedom, the church has pronounced itself exempt from public health regulations. That's not what they did. They said we have a higher authority. The authority you, Reverend Doctor, are supposed to adhere to. The condescension from this individual is just palpable. Let, Go ahead, Rich. Let me ask you a question. In the letter, does he actually use the, the title Reverend and Doctor? Reverend Dr. Greg Glatz. That's, that's I mean, how that, he signs that, it. That speaks volumes to me in <laughs> itself. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. All right. So the primary cause of this serious health risk is, of course, not AHS, but Grace Life Church itself. Under the guise of religious freedom, the church has pronounced itself exempt from public health regulations and ignored the biblical imperative to obey governing authority. I think we talked about that one previously. Romans 13, 1 through 2, let every person be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. Okay, let's stop there. Governing authorities get their authority from whom? There is no authority except from God. So governing authorities are beholden to whom? The authority who granted it to them. What is the God who has all authority said to the church? Do not forsake the gathering of the brethren. So the highest authority, the authority over the governing authorities that we submit to, has told the church, don't forsake gathering. He has then said to the, Canadian, uh, the uh, Albertan government, this is what you are allowed to do. And that has to do with 
protection from evildoers, punishing those who have done wrong. Nowhere in Romans 13 does it give the authority to dictate to the church how it can function. So in the re remaining portion, of course, therefore, whoever resists authority, resists God. Uh, the, uh, whoever resists authority, resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. Back the truck up. When are, Rich, when are we actually allowed to defy the government? When the, when the government says do what, what are we allowed to say no to? Well, when the government commands us to do anything that goes against the word of God, we are to obey God rather than man, just like the apostles stated in Acts chapter 4 and chapter 5 when they were commanded not to preach in the name of Christ, and they repeated it, and it's in those two different chapters, we will obey God rather than man. Amen. The same principle applies. The, it is obvious. Now, I'll backtrack just a little bit. When this all started last year, you and I both said that, you know, everything seems legitimate. You know, they've closed all these businesses. They've closed everything. We need to obey. And we asked then, how long is too long? Over time, that how long is too long became evident when they allowed everything else to start reopening and try to get things back at some sort of level. But they were not only making churches adhere to the restrictions, but those restrictions became even more tightened. Then it became evident it was not a matter of public health. It was a matter of a form of persecution. Now, this bad thing is this church is quoting scripture. But my question is, if the government in Alberta started, say they, they decided that the po it was overpopulated and families were only allowed two children, and if you became pregnant with that third child, you had to abort it. My question is, would that church still say that a church defying that order, would they be in sin? The same principle applies. We are to obey our local authorities up until the point when what they are commanding goes against what God commands. Mm -hmm. And what if, like in Alberta, it's become more than obvious that they are being hypocritical in the way that they are enforcing these health mandates. They are targeting churches. That persecution has become more than evidently clear. So that is when the situation goes from obeying the authorities to we obey God. Now, yeah. the only problem is in understanding all of that, a pastor and a congregation must have discernment. They must be able to know what is right from wrong. And just like in your article, which has applications, the Spirit teaches and tells us and guides and leads us in, in spiritual things. And understand this, this is a spiritual battle because the Word of God is being challenged by the government. Their authority comes from God himself. But governments all over the world have forsaken God and have made government their God. They think that, you know, they're, they are elected, they're in office, that they rule and control that country, 
and that they don't have to answer to anyone except maybe voters. Mm -hmm. But they have forgotten and overlooked that even they are supposed to submit to the authority of God and not exceed the authority that God has given them. But in the United States and throughout Canada, they have exceeded that authority. They've stepped outside the boundaries of what the Lord put them in, in those positions for, and they will be held accountable to God for their actions and their thoughts, their words and deeds, even when it comes to forcibly closing a church that they know they have no legal right to close. Mm -hmm. And truth be known, and I asked you this at the beginning, and I've heard a few uh, reports that part of the problem that James Coates came under was back was I think October, November, he started speaking out about the fact that churches were being commanded to close and to adhere to all these restrictions. And he pointed out then that mosques were not being forced to adhere to all of this. I think that may be partly why he got the attention of the governments, because I think there was a sermon that got posted that really stirred up and started a lot of the targeting towards him. And, you and I have friends in Canada and pastor friends in Canada, and you know we've heard different stories and everything. But it's pretty well pretty well known that okay, Alberta decided where well, we're going to make an example out of this pastor. Well, that didn't work. My my my. What I find most interesting in the locking up the church and putting up defenses. Why didn't they do that while Pastor Coates was in jail? Did they think that they were going to break the will and spirit of the congregation, that they would just quit gathering because the pastor was in jail, but yet they wait until he's released before they actually lock up the church? I, I really don't understand why they waited that long, because honestly, that's what they wanted to do. Wanted to do. In, in the beginning, they wanted to close that church, because they thought by doing that, they would say, okay, you see what's going to happen if you keep having church. We're going to close you down. But it, like you said, it backfired. Mm -hmm. Instead of churches closing, that embold, emboldened other churches to, you know, to disobey what they were commanding and opened up and had services and everything else. The thing is, they couldn't close all of them. So they had to, you know, single out one and try to make an example out of it. But the the really, really sad thing is when it comes to that letter and, and that reverend doctor mm -hmm. that wrote it, that that's not an exception. There are numerous churches, both in Canada and the United States, that feel that exact same way, mm -hmm. that don't understand what the text actually says because they don't interpret scripture by scripture they're interpreting it by their own feelings and emotions and sadly it's it's just an issue of not you know taking the time to study things in context and, and just to just to put one more pin in this particular um, issue Knox affirming church Knox's uh, United Church is a, a quote affirming church. This is from their affirming statement on their webpage, which is kxcalgary.com. They have an affirming statement. 
And it says, Knox United Church is a member of the Affirming Ministries Program, a network of United Church congregations and ministries that declare themselves to be fully inclusive of all sexual orientations and gender identities. And then I think Bingo. it's like, yeah, and the fifth or sixth point down, it says, we celebrate full participation and inclusion of people of all sexual orientation in our community and lament the hurt and injustice done to gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgendered, and two-spirited Aboriginal Christians. Wow, that's new. Uh, by parts of the Christian church in the past and still today. So here's the thing. This is what I find really laughable about this Dr. Reverend's letter. He appeals to scripture as if he pulled this up and nobody had ever heard of it before. And this is a Dr. Reverend who has no interest in actually listening and studying and understanding what scripture says about sexual immorality. So this is pure hypocrisy. And he knows it. There's no question he knows this. This is a country club for people who want to feel like they belong to a church and can call themselves a church and will shred the gospel into tiny little bits to make it fit their mental image of God and the idolatrous God that they worship. And then they'll say, as he closed his letter, today judgment was finally rendered too bad it took so long. You know, it's funny. I, I read that and the first thing I think of is John 16, 1 through 3. I have said all these things to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering a service to God and they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. Knox United Church, like you said, they're not, they, they, they are not a, uh, a flash in the pan. This is not a, a, a single voice uh, out there trying to make a name for themselves. They are unfortunately the same voice of too many churches, too many even evangelical pastors, high-profile evangelical pastors, <coughs> uh, J.D. Greer, um, who have closed their churches, Saddleback, <coughs> excuse me, who say, oh, well, we got to obey Romans 13. But they don't want to apply context. They don't want to understand the word of God in its full capacity. Because if they had to, if they had to, then guess what? They're hung out and they, they have to stand by the word of God and they have to say and do the things that make them uncomfortable. So, Rich, what do you think? I mean, am I on the right track here? I mean, it, this is pretty clear to me. You've got churches, and I, I know there are many that feel they, they want to do the right thing, and they think that they're honoring God by doing some of these things. And like I said, we can actually talk about those who genuinely are trying to work their way through it. But this kind of thing, where they are mocking and, and attacking a God-honoring church and their pastor. To me, this is, we want to be held up as the high and uh, mighty example. We want to be the good church that all everybody should follow. They don't want to be held to the Word of God. They're going to be held accountable for that, right? Well, absolutely. And the problem is they've created a Christ of their own imagination. And they, you know, for whatever reason, uh, 
they've abandoned abandoned the word of God for the wisdom of the world. They've jumped on the social justice train. They do not understand biblical love. They do not in, understand biblical evangelism. They don't understand the Bible. They may have some Bible knowledge, but they don't possess the salvation of Christ. And, you know, the Bible tells us all this, that there come a time to where, you know, father against son, daughter against mother, and people will put Christians to death thinking that they are doing God a service. And sadly, we're seeing, you know, that's happened at different times throughout history, but we're seeing a new evolution of that form of persecution to where they think that they can cling to certain sins and yet claim to be of Christ. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, one of those examples. But interestingly enough, churches like you just described in, in their statement, more times than not, they will go right along with anything and everything that government tells them to do. And when real persecution comes and biblical churches are being closed because they are teaching and preaching what the Word of God actually says, these places will have nothing to worry about because they will never come under persecution because they're not adhering to the Word of God. They're not teaching what the Word of God actually says. They're teaching, they're, they're tickling ears. They're teaching and telling people what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear. And that's sad because every one of these people, just like this doctor, this reverend doctor, he will be, a, he will be held double accountable because not only is he a professing Christian disobeying God when it comes to views of sexual immorality, he's encouraging other people to do the same thing, just as Romans 1 talks about. But that's what I'm fearful for men who proclaim to be pastors, who disobey the Word of God and teach these false doctrines, because James says that they will be held accountable. They will be held accountable for the sin that they lead other people to come to. Christ talked about woe to the one through who through whom the temptation comes, meaning if I am the one that tempts you and causes you to fall into sin, I'm held accountable for my sin, plus I'm held accountable for the sin that I talked you into doing. Yep. Is that correct? Absolutely. And, and that, that's the thing. When, when you teach falsely, when you are telling people to ignore the context of the Word of God and you manipulate that the Word of God, turn it into some sort of spiritual origami that allows for people to reject what is the clear command of God, well, that's why it says we are not to seek to be many masters because they have the stricter judgment. You know, Rich, you and I, we're not elders in a church, but we are speaking in, in a public forum about the things of God and people by God's grace, listen to us. If at any time we began to teach falsely and rejected any correction and continued to do so and taught people to be in rebellion to God, we're held accountable for that. Doubly so, as you said. So yes, absolutely. Any, you know, it's one thing to want to be a church that's trying to wrangle through these issues. And by now... In my opinion, after a year of this, with so many people who have 
biblically responded to it, I think we need to start saying, hey, you need to start coming to understand what the Word says. But I understand they're still struggling there. And that's different. That's not the same as it is places like Knox United Church. And I'm sorry, I'm going to call him out for it. J.D. Greer, who encourage people to shut down their churches because that's, that's loving our neighbor. That's, that's Romans 13. And there's nothing loving about what he's doing. He's rejecting God's clear command. There's nothing in submitting to a, a, a false authority that the government doesn't have. Especially when they use unequal weights and measures as they've done. And has been evidenced over and over again. So, I'm sorry. Those guys, guys like J.D. Greer, guys like uh, Rick Warren at Saddleback, guys, you know, guys like this you know, uh, Reverend Doctor from Knox United Church, when you teach people to not only say it's okay to reject God's word on this issue and, and not gather, but then in turn and attack a church for doing it, for actually gathering and obeying the word of God, as Knox United Church did, and in, in, in a roundabout way, when Rick Warren kind of slightly kind of insulted churches who didn't have his system set up. And, and, and J.D. Greer, who's still the president of the SBC until this next convention, by modeling to the you know, all these other churches and publicly patting himself and his church on the back for not meeting, you're teaching people that what James Coates and what John MacArthur are doing is wrong. You're teaching them. I mean, you're, you're not coming out and saying, I understand where they're coming from. We've come to it from a different reason. Here's why. I understand what they're doing and I, and I support them. It, it, they're not doing that. They're teaching people to attack and insult and hold in disregard people like James Coates, people like John MacArthur, Grace Life Church, Grace Community Church, and others. That's what they're teaching people to do. And they're going to be held accountable for that someday. And I would not want to be in any pastor or any reverend doctor's shoes when that day happens. Uh, any, uh, we, as we got to wrap things up, any, any last thoughts on this, Rich? No, brother. Just um, as, as we go forward and closing out, my final words are, whatever you do this week, make it a point to proclaim the gospel at least once a day, whether leaving a tract, handing someone a tract, or engaging in a gospel conversation with someone. Because if you're not doing it now while it's legal, what makes you think you will ever do it when it becomes illegal? Amen. Amen. So I want to leave with a little last bit of encouragement here. This is going to sound a little weird the way I go into it, though. What we're watching happen, I believe, is what the future of the church can expect. What we're seeing with Grace Community Church, what we're seeing with Grace Life Church and other places is the end result of a lot of bad decisions that we allowed to happen over the course of the last year. And as Rich and I said, when this first happened back in March, I know I was hesitant. But watching the, you know, the information that came out, watching the models that came out, like a lot of people, Rich and I, we talked about it. I talked to my pastor about it. 
And we're like, okay, we see where these models, this could be really, really bad. So we will be obedient. The problem was when it became apparent that it wasn't going to be two weeks to flatten the curve. When it became apparent with the riots, the so-called peaceful protests, and nobody, and I mean almost nobody, in politics condemned them for being super spreader events. In fact, they even went out of their way to try and get doctors and scientists to say, well, no, this doesn't look like it would have been a super spreader. There's a reason why we're not seeing an uptick, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I've never seen anything that is supposed to be based on science so politicized. And then we watched the unequal application of these various businesses versus churches uh, what was deemed essential, what was deemed not essential, and people's lives destroyed. People deprived of finances, people deprived of the ability to provide for their family, promises that were almost never kept in terms of financial compensation, arguments over whether the government uh, should give a stimulus, how much of a stimulus, all of it because of an election. I'm sorry. If you don't believe that's true, I don't think you're just. I think you're just not being observant. All of this was because of the 2020 election, in my opinion. Um, but we watched a series of decisions which gave greater and greater authority to people who should never have had it. In America, I can't speak for other nations, but in America, we have a constitution that protects us, supposed to, from this kind of tyrannical rule too many of us were concerned about safety and we allowed it and today as I've heard Dr. James White refer to it it's the religion of safism I mean there are people who say well the, the you know the purpose of the church is to keep people safe where's that in scripture nowhere in scripture does say that in fact it says becoming a christian is probably the most unsafe thing you can do because christ was hated and was put to death for it you're his follower how can we expect to be have anything but uh, anything less but persecution all desire all who desire to live godly will face persecution that's the word of god there, there's no there's nothing about becoming a christian where you become where it's safe but now we've seen how this has played out. The government gets to decide what is essential and what is not. The government gets to decide whether or not you as a church can practice what the Word of God tells you to do. Today, it's social distancing, masking 15% uh, uh, you know, of, uh, of your congregation can be present. The rest has to be online. No singing, no, no hugs or, or pats on the back or, or genuine fellowship. Tomorrow, because of a public health concern, which, by the way, the Biden regime, Biden-Harris regime, has said that racism is a public health crisis. Just the other day, President Biden, who now believes that the amendments to the Constitution, which are the, you know, the, the Bill of Rights, are not fixed. They're not absolute. Has said that gun violence is a public health crisis. 
everything becomes a public health crisis. And that's because we gave that ability to the government to just say, run roughshod over our rights. What does that have to do with the church? Why, is, why am I saying this to be, to be an encouragement? The simple fact of the matter is, is that we are watching the church today being dictated to by governing bodies who have decided because of their authority that they can tell a church what they can and can't do. And they can imprison you or they can take your building away. In addition to that, we're watching with places like Knox United Church or Rick Warren with Saddleback trying to prop themselves up as the models of church obedience. We are the good churches. We're the ones who are going to do things right. And if you spend any time online reading through comment sections, you'll see if you support James Coates and Grace Life Church, you'll be called a fake Christian. You'll be called hateful. You'll be called a grandma killer. Knox United Church will likely be lauded as true Christians, truly loving, doing what's right in a time of crisis. Those, that scenario is exactly what you'll see the government use, in my opinion, to shut down godly churches. Public health emergencies, defined however they want, wish to define them, will be used to say, well, you teach that it's sinful to be in a sexually immoral lifestyle. You teach it's sinful for a woman to have an abortion. You teach it's sinful for a man to pretend he's a woman. You are causing mental anguish. You are causing hatred and you are a disruption to the peace of the of the nation and under public health crisis authorities i believe these will be the next steps that we see why is this an encouragement because for a long time at least in america we've been i guess you could say blessed with the opportunity for the freedom to uh, to you know congregate and, and come together and worship but Christ said, blessed are you when they lie and say all manner of evil things about you. Blessed are you when you are persecuted for my sake. I want to encourage you. You heard the letter from Pastor Coates. They've been locked out of their church. They've had their pastor in prison for over a month and then released so they could lock up the church. And then they had to meet in an undisclosed location. They had to go underground. And yet, can you hear the joy, the humility, and the graciousness from that pastor? Because all that he has is on the line in this world. And he will gladly lay it down for the sake of Christ. Remember what Paul said? He says, I, I count all that I have as loss for the knowing the surpassing, surpassing worth of Jesus Christ. Paul had 
virtually everything available to him. He was a Roman citizen. He knew he, he was schooled in the best schools. He was an up and comer. Christ knocks him off his high horse, literally, on the road to uh, Damascus, converts him, makes him a Christian, and he lost it all. And he was chased from town to town by the Jews, persecuted relentlessly, was even stoned, they, you know, we believe, to death, and was taken up to, the, to heaven and then sent back. And he said he, he counted all that he had in this world for loss. There is nothing wrong with us today standing up and saying, government, get back in your lane. As Tom Askell has said from Founders Ministries, government, get in your lane. And I think we need to. More than ever, we need to stand up and say, government, this is none of your business. Get out. Please don't be like the protesters up in Canada who were not part of Grace Life Church who started tearing down the fences. I don't think we want to do that. I'm sympathetic, by the way. It was kind of nice to see them come down for even even a moment, but it was not the. I don't believe that's what we should do. I don't believe we should start tearing fences down and start going toe to toe with law enforcement. But I think we stand up. I still think we have protest, and I think we re- respond to this in that in all legal manners that we can, as long as that ability is there. But one day you're going to make a choice. You either pastor have to be committed, as we've seen with James Coates and John MacArthur and others, who have said, I will give it all up for Christ. I will risk it all for Christ. Churches being willing to endure the harassment, the threats, the citations, whatever, for coming together. We have to make that choice one day. And we're going to have to choose, are we going to be a Knox United Church that says, oh, look at us. We're, we're really goody two-shoes, obedient Romans 13 people who also compromise wildly on the Word of God. Or are we going to be faithful to the Word and come together and respond to the true authority that we must submit to above all else, Jesus Christ? There is no earthly authority without the authority of God. God's authority is highest. Who will you submit to? I want to encourage you with that because that day is coming, I think, much faster than any of us ever believed. I think we're going to be faced with some very tough decisions in the years to come. Pastors, equip your congregation for this. Families, equip each other and equip your children for this because it's coming. And praise God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we are counted worthy in such a time as this to take that stand and potentially face dire consequences. Because Christ himself said, blessed are we when these things happen. I want that to be encouragement for you. This is what we're facing. And there's still things yet to come. And I pray it doesn't get worse. I don't want persecution. I don't want it to get worse. But we're facing something. And I want you guys to be aware that you serve 
this amazing Savior who bought you with his blood. And if you are counted worthy to face persecution, you are blessed. Don't seek it. I don't think we go out and seek it. But if you face it because he's counted you worthy, then praise God and give glory to him. So we thank you so much for spending your time with us this week. Thank you for giving us a little bit of leeway on the days. Uh, we are grateful, grateful, grateful that you are with us each and every week. God bless you guys. Good night. We'll see you next time.